The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable, and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, Repco Supercars Weekly. It is Winton Week. Nice to go back to Northern Victoria. Didn't get to go there last year with the Repco Supercars Championship. We are going there this weekend. It's round five, races 12, 13 and 14. And to preview the action is, well, he's the king of the farm. He is the world champion of the whiteboard. He is Larko. <laughs> Mark Larkham, welcome to Repco Supercars News. Weekly. <laughs> How are you, mate? Thanks, mate. And, uh, Pleasure to be here. As I keep telling the Repco boys, I am a Repco kid. I was. Mate, you were around when Jack was going in the 60s, weren't you? That's your era. Well, no, not quite, but I, I grew up in Griffiths, and it's a true story, mate. I, I, you know, And I'm not a sales guy. I'm not paid for anyone to be a sales guy for Repco, but I actually love the fact that that brand's associated with our championship because you know, it's such a wonderful fit. But I grew up in Griffiths, and we had what back then, Noons, as you probably – well, you probably don't remember because you're only, what, 22. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we had the, um, the like a Repco store, and very rarely did you go into the front of it, you know, into what was the retail sort of thing, which is where the, you know, the truckies went in and got their lights for their trucks and all the rest of it. You actually, we all hung out in the back, because in the back was the machine shop, because Repco back then, you know, did a lot of machining work, so we were forever taking cylinder heads, you know, I had an EH Holden, can you believe it, back then, you know, and cylinder heads in there, and Billy was in there, and give him a little machine up, and a tickle up, and resurfacing and all that stuff was going on. So I grew up, you know, sort of hanging around the, the, the backyard of the local Repco joint. And um, so, yeah, I'm a Repco kid, mate. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. That wa- That's why we've got you on the Repco Supercars Weekly pod to talk about <laughs> Winton, which, by the way, um, we'll get this out of the way nice and early. Who holds – I'll start this again. We'll start this nice and early. We'll get this done. Out of the way, who holds the outright lap record for the short track at Winton? Oh, mate, I wouldn't have raised that. I don't know. John Bow, um, maybe. Um, Scafie? Mm, mm. <laughs> Come on. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm not into self-promotion. It's you. Okay. It's you. You no, are the greatest of Winton. No one will uh, ever beat that record. You are in the history books forever. Thank you, mate. I, I, I am proud. And, and it is it's an honour to hold it. Back in the day when we were racing Formula Bradham around there, I think it's probably an indicator how cool those cars were. And Scafie and I had some... Wonderful battles back then, and um, in fact, uh, Noons, are you probably aware? It's, I think uh, they contacted me this week. It's the 60th anniversary of Winton. Yeah, it is um, coming up, and they want to get a photo in front of the lap record board. So I said, "Yeah, that's fantastic." I mean, 60 years. What? Well, can I just tell you another quick thing, mate? I was actually born in Benalla, just up the road, um, and my dad took me to Winton. I was at infant school, so I was probably like five, maybe going on six. And my dad took me to Winton, and there was an open wheeler meeting there. 
And I, I, I couldn't tell you who was there, but but I just remember the impact. A bit like when you saw a Honda 754 or a Toronto XU1 as a kid. I remember seeing this wide open wheeler and, mate, here I am, like, you know, well, I'm 35 years old. So here I am um, 29 years later and it had a um, had a massive impact on my life. I just think, you know, I stood there on that hill and just thought racing cars, wow, you know. And um, so, yeah, 60th anniversary, well done, Winston. What a great provincial circuit. And a massive part of our DNA, ain't it? Oh, it is, mate. It's a. I think we call them heritage racetracks, don't we? But the thing is, even though it's a country venue, look back over the years, they find a way to continue to improve it. They everyone complained the track's too short. They lengthened it. We need a new pit lane. They made a new pit lane, new media centre, new pit buildings. They are forever doing things up there to uh, make it bigger and better. Not just, of course, when supercars rolls around, but for all forms of motorsport that use the venue over the course of, of the twelve months and the three hundred and sixty-five days. Of the year, uh, mate. Winton, this weekend, you and I were in a bit of a conflab on emails the last few days before we recorded this, and something that you asked the question on this, and it's really interesting. And I went digging, and it's it's hard to explain, but let's try to pick it apart. The variety of winners at Winton has been higher over the last ten years than any other track. Thirteen different drivers have won the last twenty races there, and I was trying to pinpoint. Why? Why is there such a blend? Why is there such a mix? And there's one point that sticks out to me, and I'm interested in your take or if you've got some other ones to add here, but it's because Triple Eight haven't hogged the trophies. They've won one race in the Car of the Future era at Winton since 2013. That was uh, Shane Van Gisbergen a couple of years ago. So when they're not winning, other people are. And when other people are winning, it's spreading around the love. If Triple Eight were... Uh, winning the sort of percentage at Winton that they do at other tracks, I don't think that stat's the same. Well, Noons, that's why you're our stats man, mate. That's why we contacted you, because it, it is quirky. So, I mean, you just think for a moment, I wrote a little note here, you know, what what's the world look like if Scott McLaughlin didn't come along, you know? And I guess in a similar theme to what you're saying, what would the world look like if Triple Eight didn't come along and show the domination they have over many, many years? So, then the variety of winners at Winton is, is even higher again, but it's an interesting point, isn't it? And, and I think, you know, we'll talk about it in a sec, but, you know, you're probably going to see a little bit of it the same again because just touching on Triple Eight, you know, as dominant as they've been, you know, you'll see us in the telecast noon, you know, down there in the pit lane. And I like to observe in the practice sessions in particular, you get a sense of the intensity, the amount of bits that are being thrown at a car, number one, and I guess the quantum of those bits, you know, are they little micro changes, a little damper setting here and there, or are they throwing geometry changes at the car, roll centre changes at the car, complete spring and shock packages at the car, you know, aerodynamic changes, significant wing changes, are they those sorts of things? And and since we've removed the twin spring out of our system, and we won't bore everyone with it, but it was quite a sophisticated springing system in our dampers or, or, or with our dampers. Um, it's made the job of tuning your heart car more difficult, but what it did show is just how on top of the game triple eight were in that department. And my point here being is now I watch on the pit lane a much greater degree of intensity. I mean, the last couple of events, I, I just see Shane's car, Shane Van Gisbergen, championship leader. I mean, bits being thrown at his car left, right and centre. So now when we go to Winton, to go to your point, Nunes, about the variety of winners, I mean... Look at this place. Um, out of all the circuits we go to, everywhere in Australia, this place, you use less 100% throttle than anywhere. 
Now, if you convert that into layman speak, that just means it's really hard to set your car up because the whole the whole art in this game is getting to 100% throttle. Sooner you get to 100% throttle, the sooner you're making numbers. So it's the chassis driving, sorry, the chassis tuning and the driving technique that allow you to get to 100% throttle. So little old Winton, lots of corners, not much 100% throttle. Cars are in what we call a dynamic state for a big portion of the lap. They're turning. They're working. So, mate, I guess it's it's just hard for for teams to turn up and put them in the window, put them in the box. It just so, and I love that. I love going to a circuit like this weekend. I can't, can, you know, who's going to be at the top of the streets of inequality? Don't know. Isn't that good? Yeah, aim of the game, isn't it? Uh, it it's one of those things, though, mate. That the I've got to think that if you're a team not triple eight going into this weekend, you've got to identify this weekend as here's a chance to land a few punches yeah, and, and grab a few points back. Van Gisbergen leads the way. A quick reminder to our, our listeners, uh, by 190 over Jamie Winkup, it's 56 back to Chas Mostert, another five back to Will Davison, another 13 back to Cam Waters. That's the top five in the points. But we've been to very triple eight tracks. They have traditionally been very strong in Tasmania, very strong at Sandown, very strong uh, at Mount Panorama. The bend has been a bit here or there, not quite, uh, and, and that was probably reflected in the last round and the results. We saw the Mustangs up and running and a bit of a variety of, of Ford winners. If I'm not Triple Eight, if I'm DJR, or if I'm Tickford, or if I'm Walkinshaws or Kelly Grove, surely, surely I'm licking my lips this weekend. Not so much because it might be my home test track or I might have great history at that track myself or my team, it's because they just don't have the runs on the board. You'd think in, since 2013, the car of the future, they'd have landed. I mean, they've still been on the podium a fair few times, I think seven times overall, but nowhere near the numbers that they would normally generate. So if you're one of those other teams, you've got to be licking your lips this weekend, surely. You've got to be, mate. Um, you know, and, and you, you just raised a couple of them there. I mean, there's so many, there's so many interesting stories to follow this year, Noons. I think the 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 removal removal of uh, Scott McLaughlin from our championship uh, on his next career trajectory, which is just a wonderful thing. He's been a wonderful champion, but you know uh, the, the the domination over the last three years has made it difficult to sort of see what's going on behind him. And now with, with him removed, I mean you, you've got this situation, haven't you? So Shane Van Gisbergen comes out at the start of the year, um, wins six in a row, and we think, you know what, I reckon this guy's going to go on and try and win every race this season. Now, I spoke to him noons at the airport um, when we were leaving the last event, and we didn't even touch on his shoulder uh, at the last event, and I can tell you, it still, it was bugging him bad. So he may not be quite over that, because it was a bad break, as you know. Jamie Winker, you know, we're reading every single day more and more about his role in team ownership. So, you know, I still have a little question mark next to his name, Jamie, after three championships, we thought, gee, can he go on and win another? Well, look, at he went on and did, what, seven? Mm-hmm. Surely he can't do eight. Well, probably not, but he's second in the championship. So just another interesting thought. Chaz Mostert, this year, for me, the re-emergence of Chaz Mostert. This is going to be a guy that I hope is not like Garth Tander, one of our best drivers ever. And I've often said Garth should have more trophies in his cabinet. I can't tell you why he hasn't, but he should. Chaz Mostert should have more trophies in his cabinet. They've done a lot of work on those cars. They're in the window now, so I'm really looking forward to see what plays out there. Will Davo, doing exactly what we thought Will Davo would do. Strong and consistent, bang along there in fourth. Cameron Waters, won at the last event. Come on, Cameron. 
this is your time to shine. Surely, this is, you know, you talk about the opportunity licking his chops. There's a guy who should be licking his chops for this weekend. And I just want to quickly go down to Anton Di Pasquale. The kid that stepped into Scott McLaughlin's vehicle team and engineer, clearly a bright young talent, future of our sport. But I look next to his score sheet, mate. Three retirements this year. So, you know, but two pole positions at last event. So we haven't seen the best from, from Anton yet. So I guess what I'm saying is, as, to, to emphasise what you're saying, we go to Winton, opportunity everywhere for everyone, and then to go with that, I'm actually looking forward to seeing just how some of these stories play out. And you can go down the list, mate. There's a, just so many. Brody Kostecki, Will Brown, a star, but he had a shock at the last one. I mean, there's stories everywhere, isn't there? Oh, there's so many, and there's anyone can land a blow on any given weekend. It's just a case of... Uh, getting it in the window, as you said earlier, and being able to land that punch rather than it disappearing off to the yonder and missing its its mark. Uh, one of the things that's been really interesting too, Larko, we've had six, even though Van Gisbergen rolled out the star of the year and just went whack, 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 and won poles of races, six different winners from the last six races. So it's amazing how things turn. And we heard from uh, a lot of people who were saying, ah, oh, give him the trophy, it's over. And this yeah. is not me just PRing it. It's not over. There's way too many points left on the table Way too many possibilities that could unfold. Uh, yes, he's got a handy margin. 190 in front. He could sit out the first race at Winton and most of the second race and still be in front in the points lead. But that can evaporate so so quickly. It's it's quite amazing. DJR's on the climb. Anton Di Pasquale, as you said, the bend was a bit of a breakthrough weekend. Will Davison's been ticking together the results. DJR's graph is sneak its, sneaking its way up and it's on the right trajectory. Uh, Tickford are there or thereabouts Cam Waters of course uh, at the bend yep. got taken out so there was a race where not his fault just wrong place wrong time Heimgartner delivers we've seen Reynolds on the podium so Kelly Grover going along quite well I'm looking forward to the weekend but the thing that uh, is different for Winton and give me a take super soft Dunlop tyre comes into play but I get a feeling that we all look at this thinking oh super soft tyre racing will be intense Guys will lose their minds with all this grip. They'll drop off the cliff. There'll be guys charging through the field and falling back like a stone. But it might not play out that way completely, given the time of year we're going to Winton, end of May, not exactly warm. Uh, so th- there's a chance that this could mix it up. But there's a chance it might also be one that it we might put a bit too much credence into this that it might not deliver for us. Well, mate, on top of all the variability you've just you know outlined in terms of the stories and the potential threats to Shane Van Gisberg, and I mean, the super soft tyre for me was the big elephant in the room going into this weekend. But, um, you know, a lot of work was done to, to, to deliver a tyre um, for, for those at home that, that, that haven't got a complete grasp on it. We've got a hard, a soft, and now a super soft. And the whole intention is to make it perform out of the box but then drop off quicker, degrade quicker. And we know historically, if we just go to Winton with what is our soft tyre, you can kind of leave them on for you know, a tank full of fuel, which is not the intention. You want teams to be backed into a corner to have to make a strategic decision about when they stop based on their tyre degradation. So you want them to fall off a cliff. Now, the testing that was done with these tyres was done in, I can tell you, much, much hotter temperatures, like 40 degrees hotter temperatures. So... And the indications there were great, right? Now, whether that plays out at Winton, let's wait and see. Because you're dead right, mate. It just might be. What are the predictions there? Minus one to <laughs> top temperature of 13. Like, seriously, bring your thermals, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you definitely need some of that vanilla winter coat from your young days, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I tell you what. But, look, I, I'm going to be interested because, you know, if 
if we can end up with a scenario, because even though surface temperature might be down and the UV might be down on the well, there'll be UV on the track down there. Um, you can still generate significant temperature into a hot tire on a cold day. So let's just hope noons that you know we see in a what have we got thirty six lap races. Um, you know, typically you'll see people start pitting, you know, 11, 12, 13, maybe even go out to 18. But wouldn't it be wonderful if the tyre started to fall off a little bit of a clip after, you know, 8 or 9, 10 laps and, and, and teams had to make the decision to come in, right, to undercut the guy they're racing yet, i.e. get in, put on a fresh tyre, get out and bang out fast lap times before your buddy pit. Right? therefore jumping him in the pit lane via an undercut. Now, if it's freezing cold and this doesn't happen, you can actually end up in a situation which we call the overcut, where you actually, uh, by staying out on a hot tyre, you're banging out good numbers. The guy that comes in and puts on fresh tyres, takes a couple of laps to get up to speed, he doesn't make a gain. Look, I think we're still going to see the undercut here. It just may not be as much as we'd hope for, but this tyre will roll out again uh, later in the year. I think Darwin... Um, and I reckon it'll really come into its own there. But look, fingers crossed. Uh, I like the initiative. Well done, Supercars, for um, for playing with this stuff. Uh, Noons, can I just finish on one other associated important topic? Is tyre pressure. Uh, folks always check your tyre pressures before you go travelling to an event. Um, that's not what I really wanted to say. The, <laughs> public service announcement tire, from Marco. <laughs> public service announcement. No, no. The our tyre pressures are regulated at. 17 pound. Oh, you cannot be low, be below 17 pound from when your tyres put on the car and rolls out onto the grid. So, and and that's for safety reasons because if teams could run them at 10 pound, trust me, they would because the lower the pressure, the more they grip. But it gets really dangerous. Tyres fall apart at those sort of pressures. They peel off rims. It's just a, so 17 is the minimum. For this weekend, supercars have said, well, because I wanted to play with pressures a bit this year, they've said 19 is the minimum. And what 19 means, means um, if, if you start at 17 during your running, you might end up with a nice platform of tyres, let's say on 28 pounds when they're hot. If you start on 17, that's fine. If you start on 19, you might find they go to 31 pounds, for example, which will put a crown on the tyre, right? The pressure's too high. When the pressure's too high and you put a crown on a tyre, it gets too hot in the centre of the tyre and the tyre degrades really quickly. So it's a little tool to promote the degradation to encourage teams to find strategic options and I like it mate because as long as it's the same for everyone it, it it's not a false sporting contest it's a contest of who can work their way around this so going to be interesting to watch that yeah expanding the strategic window however it is uh, is always a good thing uh, just quickly before we shoot a couple of little things to go through Larco uh, we've got so many people who follow the Repco um, Supercars Weekly podcast and our regular V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. They are up in arms about paddles. Yay or nay? Is this in? Is this out? Are they right? Are they wrong? What's the go? What's Larco's take? Um, well, it's a contentious issue, isn't it? Um, uh, I've Let me say this, Noons. I've, I've said my piece um, very loud, very clear, uh, probably a month or six weeks ago. Um, I'm a gear stick guy, obviously, strongly. Um, so, uh, uh, that was published on the Supercars, um, website to their credit. They didn't hold me back on having my say. Um, and I guess rather than try and explain it here, I, I try, I, I spent eight minutes articulating why I think, um, paddle shift is not the way to go. Um, but you know, it's not my decision. Um, but yeah, I've said my piece on it. Yep. Fair call. Fair call. Uh, 
Don't forget too, by the way, all of our listeners, uh, head to Repco's website. You can visit The Garage. It's your online digital destination for all things automotive and motorsport, repco.com.au. For our Kiwi fans, repco.co.nz. That includes Greg Murphy. Hey, Laco, do you really reckon Murph's going to do a wild card at Bathurst? Is he really going to do that? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't. I very because we speak a bit on the phone. I intentionally haven't asked him because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. No, news. I have this drama on the pit lane all the time because you end up you, you you know so many people on the pit lane that I consider close mates that I, and there's things that I know people would like to know, but I actually don't ask them because I know they'll tell me and I, <laughs> I don't want to put them in that spot. So Murph, I've become really good. He's a great bloke, Murph. I love Murph. I'm missing dearly on the pit lane. Um, and I just don't want to ask him because he'll probably tell me. And I'm hoping he's not going to say, yeah, I'm going to do that because, uh, you know what, I, when you have a stellar career like, like Murph's, um, I, I'm just not sure what's to be gained. Um, can I just say quickly, I, I, after I hung up my helmet, mate, in when I was 03, I went back and did one one more season with Bathurst, then with Bargs as his co-driver in my team. And I can tell you, mate, I couldn't get within half a second of him. I got within probably half a second, but that's it. I couldn't do the same lap time anymore. But what was worse, as I was going across the top of the mountain, I can tell you, when I was getting that close, I was an accident waiting to happen. And that's when I said, I'm done. Mm. So to go back to somewhere like the mountain and be competitive across the top of the mountain in particular, cool, big call. Mm. Big but good call. on him. Good luck, Tom. We'll wait and see. Uh, we love a bit of On This Day here on the Repco Supercars Weekly Podcast. It's Tuesday, May 25. A couple of birthdays. Ron Harrop turned 75 today. The great Kevin oh, Bartlett. Oh, what a ripping guy. He ripping is. guy. Another Ron, ripping guy. Yeah, ri- ripping guy. The yeah, right up your alleyway, Ron Harrop. He's, he's a tech man. Uh, Kevin Bartlett turns 81. Appropriate number, given that amazing pole lap he did in the wet in 81 in the Channel 9 Camaro, and his protege, his young mate, Michael Caruso. Caruso turns 38 today. Also on this day, 1997, Eastern Creek Round 6 of the Australian Touring Car Championship was a win for Glenn Seaton. Bit of a bump pass on John Bow to get the win in the last race. JB and Dick Johnson rounding at the podium. And also on this day, Larco, 2003, Winton, 300-kilometre race. Marcus Ambrose, the winner from Jason Bright and Stephen Richards. Jamie Winkup made his first top 10 shootout. And remember that moment when Murph hit the back of Craig Lowndes uh, at the sweeper and Crompton lost his mind in the commentary box? (laughs) That was that day, on this day in 2003. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, just on Marcus Ambrose, best thing I've ever seen at... uh as Winton, remember Marcus went off on the infield in the mud, got out like a four-wheel driver, let his tyre pressures down to nearly nothing yep. so he could get some traction and got himself out and back onto the track. And it One worked. One of the smartest things I've ever seen on a racetrack. That, that was the following year in, in 2004, and it got him some points that helped him win uh, his second championship in a row. Hey, Larko, thanks so much for, for joining me on Repco Supercars Weekly. For our Pleasure, listeners, mate. tomorrow we've got a Q&A. Will Dale is with me in the office. We've got a big mailbag that's been building up over the last few weeks. Uh, Repco Supercars Weekly back next Tuesday. Larko, have a great one this weekend. We look forward to seeing you on Fox KO and 7. A big weekend of supercars up at Winton. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the chat. The things these streets have seen, like legends... Half man, half machine. Who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable. And they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek.